Welcome to Leadership Dialogues, a podcast for the greater New Orleans region. Leadership Dialogues is produced by the New Orleans Regional Leadership Institute, a nonprofit which provides a variety of nonpartisan platforms to inspire and engage business and community leaders in the greater New Orleans region. My name is Stephen Ruther, and I'm the Executive Director of Norley. Today, I'm excited to play for you a conversation that I recently had with Dr. Kim Hunter-Reed, who serves as the Commissioner of Higher Education for the state of Louisiana. She's currently the only female in the country serving in that role, who has also led higher ed in another state. She has a truly extensive career in both higher education and government, and in a former role as the executive director of the Colorado Department of Education, she oversaw the implementation of nearly $109 million in additional support for higher education in that state, bringing funding levels to a historic high. She also served in President Barack Obama's administration as Deputy Undersecretary at the U.S. Department of Education, and there she led the White House Initiative on Historically Black Colleges and Universities. She is a Lake Charles native, and she chaired Louisiana's Higher Education Transition Team in 2015 and served as the state's policy director. She also served as Chief of Staff and Deputy Commissioner for Public Affairs for the Louisiana Board of Regents and Executive Vice President of the University of Louisiana System. She received a doctorate in public policy from Southern University, and she also has a master's degree in public administration and a bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism from Louisiana State University. It was an honor and a privilege to discuss with Dr. Reed the dynamics and challenges of higher education institutions, not just in Louisiana, but quite frankly across the country. And while many of those challenges are significant, Uh, They have also provided some opportunities for growth, as well as forced the adaptation of new technologies in the delivery of education. So I thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. So first of all, not everyone might be completely familiar with the Board of Regents and their role within the state in higher education. So if you could, to provide some context for our conversation, could you take a minute to describe how our higher education system is organized and more specifically, what role the Board of Regents plays in that structure? Sure, happy to do that. And thank you for having me. Just delighted to be a part of this conversation today. So the Board of Regents is a state agency. We are the policy and advocacy agency for post-secondary education in the state of Louisiana. Uh, So the Board of Regents does policy work. We approve academic programs. We advocate for state budgets with the governor and legislature. Uh, that we work on facility planning, things of that sort, uh, big strategic planning and vision setting for the state. The state has four management boards, the Southern University System, the University of Louisiana System, the Louisiana Community and Technical College System, uh, and the University of Louisiana System. So those systems are management, have management boards and system presidents that do the day-to-day management of the institutions in the state of Louisiana. We work very collaboratively. We have a big tent. We also work with our private colleges and universities because we know we won't reach Louisiana's full potential in terms of increasing attainment without doing so. And we are a state authorizer for proprietary schools that want to operate in the state of Louisiana. So that's a little bit about uh, how we are structured here in uh, in Louisiana. Lots of states have different structures, uh, but that is our structure. And just out of curiosity, do you know how many total colleges and universities or campuses there are underneath the four systems? So we have 32 public institutions. I believe there are 12 
uh, private colleges and universities, and hundreds of proprietary schools in the state of Louisiana. From your website, I saw that the Board of Regents has a goal of doubling the number of credentials in our state by the year 2030. It would be my assumption that most of those I would probably come through the local community and technical colleges, which obviously over the last few years, um, we've really been promoting throughout the state as being an excellent avenue to obviously create a great career path for individuals. So what's the, the vision for the balance now of students entering two-year institutions versus four-year institutions? And how does that impact workforce development moving forward? It's a great question. You know, when you when you think about how the evolution of education has changed, if you ask someone multiple decades ago, why go to college, they would say to, to learn something interesting. If you ask people now why go to college, they'll say to get a good job. So people see education to employment as an important pathway and they see education and training as an opportunity to move them into uh, unlimited potential in terms of really workforce and the world of work. Uh, so I think that's an important realization for us. You know, we, we believe in education because it's foundational for our democracy, transformational for families, but we also recognize why students are coming to us with their time and their hard-earned money. So we have to honor that as we think about all pathways. So as you mentioned, we have a community college system that's fairly young in the state of Louisiana, only 20 years young. Um, many states have much more history of having long-term community college systems as an opening, an open door and the first path into a college or university. So what we have said to our students, to our families in Louisiana is there's a place for everyone. What we want people to understand is that the high school diploma is now the floor, not the ceiling. And so everyone needs to get a credential of value. Some students will pursue uh, an eight-week or a 12-week certification. Certifications uh, below an associate degree are the fastest growing in the state of Louisiana and fast growing around the country. Why? Because when you talk about returning adults, they have this much time and money and they want value for that in terms of heading uh, into a credential. We know that we have traditional age students and we think that a, a traditional college experience will still be one that they and their families will pursue for them. And so some students are pursuing associate degrees, bachelor's degrees, and of course students pursuing graduate programs. But I do see a continued increase in students who are pursuing credentials that are stackable uh, and that really allow them to get the most for their time and money. And I think we have to recognize that. The other thing that I think is significant for Louisiana when we think about our audacious goal of more than doubling the number of credentials is it's a, a sort of a both and process for us. On one side, you think about Stephen, 47% of adults in Louisiana have a high school diploma or less as their highest credential of value in a knowledge economy where they need so much more. So we have to make sure that more adults have opportunities to upskill, to reskill, to keep moving forward. Then on the other side of traditional age students, we need to have more high school students going on to a college experience of some sort and more college students finishing what they start. So in order for us to get to this amazing big goal that is really seated in or nested in workforce responsibilities and workforce requirements for Louisiana. It's an all-in approach, uh, but it has to recognize honor in all pathways. The bachelor's degree is not the only pathway into a credential. There are many, and we have to honor all of those. And the business community can certainly help. 
by signaling that there is value in various credentials and that they're hiring for different credentials. When colleges and universities see that, they will move much more quickly. And when families see that, they will say, this is a good path, a viable path for my child and for our students. So I think those are fantastic points. And I know locally we've seen, obviously, as in the greater New Orleans region, but throughout the state, we've had a bit of an economic renaissance uh, following Hurricane Katrina and certainly over the last 10 to 15 years, some really great economic development wins uh, for a variety of reasons. And so we've seen the business community really push for, as you mentioned, certain certifications and, and areas where uh, students should be focusing their energies in order to uh, really be able to build a, a great career and, and make a good living. I, I've been noticing, uh, especially over the last few years, some really great articulation agreements between our community and technical colleges, as well as our four-year, uh, with our four-year institutions, both, pu both public and private. And um, so I think that's really exciting. And I'm hoping that that process uh, continues and certainly the community and technical colleges for those who want to pursue it beyond that, become a feeder for four-year institutions. Agree with that. And I also want to share that, you know, we're listening. We want to hear from business. One example is the IT community, right? They said to us at the Board of Regents, we need undergraduate certificates. We want to see students that perhaps have a liberal arts degree, but could plus up with some computer science work and get this undergraduate certificate. And now they're viable within our industry. And so we have approved undergraduate certificates. Uh, at the Board of Regents, and we're seeing more and more of our colleges and universities offering those. So we want to be responsive and, uh, and making sure that we're hearing from the business and industry uh, about what their needs are, because it, as we mentioned, ultimately, we want students to have a path from, uh, for some, from poverty to prosperity, from all, for all, from education to employment. And so it's important that we hear from business and industry and that we are responding to their needs. So I love these thoughts and I, I love the master plan and, and I believe you used the word audacious, um, but certainly ambitious uh, plan for doubling credentials. Um, but as we briefly discussed earlier, we are living in a different world. Perhaps yeah. uh, we're still in COVID and, and we'll be dealing with a post COVID world uh, at some point. So how has the coronavirus impacted your strategies uh, and thoughts on the delivery of higher ed? now that we're in the middle of this and we're realizing a new school year and we're realizing that we need to make plans for this uh, moving forward. So, you know, I think about it's harder to do the job now, right? Because you have to do it with social distancing and technology and you have a digital divide, not everyone has technology. And so there are so many barriers, but it's even more important than ever. When you think about Louisiana uh, at one point having 400,000 people unemployed, so, so many more people needed to upskill and reskill, and they needed to know that there was a path for them that was affordable and viable into our colleges and universities, our community colleges, certainly for, for sure. Uh, so I do think that it's helped us to really sharpen our thinking about remote learning, about time and money uh, for our students. Uh, it certainly means that we have to double down on the importance of getting more people a credential than ever before because jobs have gone away but new, new jobs will come. And so we have to be ready and understand uh, what the demand will be. Uh, one thing we did uh, was to ask the regional economic developers, tell us your top three jobs that are short-term 
uh, high demand um, so that we can get uh, those individuals into employment through these credentials. The governor put up $10 million of uh, emergency funds from the Federal CARES Act for the community colleges to upskill and reskill displaced workers and others who wanted to get into those high demand places. So COVID has made it more challenging and much more important. But the other thing is that the tools and the analysis we had pre-COVID is no longer there. So now we have to make sure we're leaning even more into these business conversations to say, what do you need today? What are you gonna need tomorrow? Because the occupational forecast was pre-COVID, everything's pre-COVID. And so now you have to make sure you have real-time information so that people have good uh, decision-making opportunities. We have never in this country been good about helping consumers to understand how to match their aptitude and interest to the world of work. So if we come out of this with some silver lining and some tools, I hope that we get better around career navigation, career exploration. I hope we erase the digital divide. If we expect everyone to be able to do remote learning, then everyone needs to have the tools and the internet access to do so. And I certainly hope we get better in terms of adults getting into credentials and having affordable paths to credentials. Those are all important to Louisiana's success. Absolutely. And I think the agility um, that we're going to have to have as a state and as an education system to meet the needs of business is going to be key because um, by my perspective, businesses themselves don't know where they're going to be in six months or a year or two years. And so I think it's going to require a great deal of adjustment on everybody's behalves. And it's just a new world that I think we're all going to have to adjust to. So I, I applaud your thoughts and efforts towards that because I think you're absolutely right. Cycling back to uh, one of the first things that I asked, which was how many public institutions that we have in the state, you had mentioned 32. I know uh, over the years it's been noted that Louisiana has a particularly large number of public higher education institutions as compared to other states given our population. Uh, I would imagine that COVID would reignite conversations about strategic partnerships, centers of excellence, um, perhaps even mergers of institutions, especially as funding for our various systems becomes more uncertain and as our state budget becomes more strained. What are your thoughts on the future of our system with some of these considerations potentially looming in the background? So I think that, you know, I am of the school that a crisis is always a terrible thing to waste. I think that anytime we have an opportunity to think about what we do, how we do it, what's the business model, how do we think about a continuous improvement, I think that's important. In the last legislative session, uh, the speaker uh, passed a resolution asking the Board of Regents and the Community Technical College to look at post-COVID or COVID uh, environment, COVID, the COVID economy. Uh, what does that mean for the business model for our colleges and universities? And so we have put forward a study to talk about how to be more efficient. It does include sort of a checklist. If there were mergers that were needed, how would we go about doing that? And so there is no fear from our perspective in terms of looking hard at these kinds of important questions. On the other hand, I do want to say that having access to education in every community in some way is very important to a state that has so many people, one in five living in poverty pre-COVID and almost 50% of our working adults with, no high, with a high school diploma or less as their highest credential. So there's no doubt that Louisiana needs more people with access to credentials, more people who actually have credentials. We are a state that, as you know, historically allowed people to 
have a living wage and do well in the ag or the oil patch, but that is no more. And so Louisiana will suffer if we do not step forward and invest heavily in education, in the training of our people in talent development. Yes, it has to be uh, efficient. It has to be economical for families. It has to be affordable, but we should not step away from our commitment to education in this state. We will not get to a vibrant, resilient Louisiana without more education and training. That is very important. Let me ask you, I know uh, obviously this is never going to be a perfect comparison, but are there any other states out there who are really just doing a fantastic job of being able to train their workforces and, and bring together, synthesize a lot of the elements that we've talked about between articulation agreements and having that true pipeline and, um, and are funding their institutions in a way that has allowed, that, uh, has allowed them to see that return on investment later in the workforce and in their economies. Are there any states uh, that we can look to that um, are really good comparisons and good benchmarks for us to uh, aspire towards? I think there are a number of states that have pieces and parts. As you know, I was leading uh, education in the state of Colorado before I came here to Louisiana. What I like about Colorado is this entrepreneurial spirit. They're not just thinking about uh, educating individuals to fill great jobs, but to create great jobs. And so I do think that this idea of entrepreneurship and helping more people have access to the opportunity to create jobs is very important. I like the level of partnership that you see in Colorado. Certainly we're trying to invest more in partnerships in Louisiana in terms of apprenticeships, work-based learning opportunities. Those things I think matter. Uh, you look at other states that have really done a great job in terms of uh, the alignment between education and employment. Very strong partnerships like our community college system here. It's of the community, it's for the community. So I think we get better in our state when our partnerships are tighter, when our uh, alignment is better, when we're saying to each other, how can we do better? And it's not about turf, it's about results. It's about outcomes. It's about making sure that our citizens have uh, more opportunities. And so I do think there's lessons to be learned uh, from other places. And I think there, there are lessons that others can learn from us in Louisiana. No one is more resilient than our state. Uh, and so now we have this moment in time, right? This COVID moment in time to try to address some of the, the deficiencies that we've had for far too long to really move our state forward. So I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because you have, uh, as we mentioned in the intro, quite an accomplished resume uh, that you've been able to uh, work towards. And you've just had an amazing career uh, as a leader within the education realm. but. You did have the amazing honor of serving as President Barack Obama's, uh, within his administration, as Deputy Undersecretary at the U.S. Department of Education. And uh, more specifically, you led the White House Initiative on uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. What was that experience like and what was the most valuable thing that you learned in that experience? Oh, it was an amazing experience. Uh, just, I will say that, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to serve your country, it's phenomenal. I am passionate, as you can tell, about education. So having that experience uh, was just uh, so, so much fun. And you had a White House that was very interested in education. The First Lady was doing Better Make Room, you know, College for Everyone. Uh, the president was focused on it, the vice president, the, uh, the second lady, Jill Biden, really pushed community colleges 
uh, as someone who's a community college advocate and professor. Uh, and so it was fun to have all of that energy around what all can we do? I do think there was a moment in time when we really did talk about community colleges as equal partners in this education family, which is very important that we push against the stigma and try to make sure that there's honor in all pathways. And so the job was amazing uh, in scale and scope and just the ability to help people and to serve and to visit many states and uh, many students. It was just phenomenal, really amazing work. Well, and I have to imagine the scope, sort of the macro and micro, um, the scope of the work had to really inform your decision-making uh, that you do now, just because you get to see it literally on a national scale um, and not just at the state level. Yes, so, it was absolutely great. So you're clearly driven to be a stronger leader and you care very deeply about business and industry and providing great opportunities for individuals to be able to, to lead uh, fantastic lives with good careers, good paying jobs from across the state. Where do you find your inspiration and what makes you hopeful for the future? So my inspiration would have to be from my grandmother. Uh, she was a 40-year educator. Um, you know, she was someone who just really believed that education was transformational. Uh, and, you know, my parents are educators as well. My mother's deceased, but my father is still an educator. And so certainly this, you know, you know, my grandmother would say, this is the family business for us, right? Education is our family business. And so she was happy when I finished doing other things, working for governors and, you know, doing other opportunities and said, come back to the family business about education. And so I certainly inspired, uh, you know, from that. And now when I see young people, right, that I meet with Stephen, that I have the opportunity, student leaders, uh, SGA presidents, uh, just students in all walks of life, I am just so excited about where we're headed because we see so many phenomenal student leaders who care about all of the issues that are important to move our state forward, who care about each other, who are trying to support other causes and just helping others. And so I'm just blown away by what I see and that gives me so much energy and excitement, but I can always you know, think about my grandmother. I have a picture of her, her college uh, graduation in my office. And uh, I can just see her beaming from, with pride, seeing me continuing to stay in the family business. I love that concept, family business. I love the phrase, education is transformational. And, um, and I agree, you know, I think a lot of times it's easy to forget. Maybe this is just me personally as I slowly get older, but um, you know, there's so many young people uh, who now comprise such a large part of the population are gonna be really driving the future for us and making important decisions and taking more and more leadership roles. And especially in the times in which we live where leadership is really needed and where, where times are challenging and, um, and the issues that we face are complex and multifaceted. So it's, it's um, I think, a very exciting time and a good time to be hopeful, especially in all the young leaders who are being matriculated through our education systems. Absolutely. Um, Y'all do fantastic work. What's uh, the easiest way for people to learn more about the Board of Regents and um, maybe keep apprised of decisions that occur that maybe impact education uh, around the state? How can people follow you in the work of the Board of Regents? So we have an active uh, Twitter account, the LA Board of Regents. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Kim Hunter uh, Reed. 
Um, I'm on, uh, we're, we have social media, obviously. Uh, we have a website. Uh, we publicly uh, broadcast all of our meetings. Uh, we put out a newsletter. So we are actively engaged in trying to share good policy. Uh, but I think through social media is probably the fastest way to keep up with all that we're doing. Um, I read my own emails, so if anyone wants to email me, kim.read at laregents.edu, uh, please share ideas and thoughts. Uh, we all are looking for a way to connect with each other now that we are doing all the Zoom and other things. And so I think it's important that we stay as close to the people, as close to the solutions as possible. And so I look forward to hearing from some of the folks perhaps that are watching this, uh, this, this podcast. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Reed, for your time and for your leadership. It's truly appreciated, and um, I'm excited to see what the future holds. Thank you. Delightful to be with you. Thank you for listening to Leadership Dialogues. We'd like to thank our annual sponsors whose support helped make Norley programs available in the greater New Orleans region. Our pinnacle sponsor is Entergy. Our legacy of leadership sponsor is Atmos. Our support sponsors are Jones Walker and Gamble Communications. Our stakeholder sponsors are Iberia Bank, Metairie Bank, the Miro Foundation, the Port of New Orleans, and Home Bank. And our recognized partner is Greater New Orleans, Inc.